Hi there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy Podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. Today I'm speaking to Dr. Javid Raza, a staff physician in the Bariatric Disease Institute at Cleveland Clinic Abu Dhabi. Doctors at the Institute have seen an increase in the number of patients seeking medical and surgical treatments for weight loss over the last year. They performed 450 bariatric surgeries in 2020, with the youngest patient being just 14. Dr. Raza talks about the kind of obesity and associated problems that lead people to consider bariatric surgery as a last resort. He talks about what options are available for them when they do, and about how the Institute takes a holistic approach with patients to set them up for health success. You've had a long day, Dr. Raza. We were supposed to speak earlier and you had to go do an endoscopy. <laughs> well, this is, this is part of uh, working in a busy teaching hospital that uh, uh, patients needs and uh, always come first and we have to prioritize that. That's what we did today. Yeah, a doctor's work is never done. Um, okay, so can you tell me, tell us just a bit about what, happens at the Digestive Disease Institute? What, what are these diseases? What do you focus on? So the Cleveland Clinic uh, model has uh, departments based on the uh, systems of the body. Uh, digestive disease is everything starting from the whole journey of the food inside the body. So as it goes inside the mouth into the food pipe, which is esophagus uh, through the intestine, all the diseases around that, that include stomach, uh, colon, small intestine, liver, pancreas, and including the obesity surgery. So everything to do with the gastrointestinal tract is the Digestive Disease Institute. Now within the Institute, there are two main uh, parts, which is the surgical side and the non-surgical side. And then within that, there are further subdivisions and subspecializations. And, and the specialty that I am involved with, which is bariatric or metabolic surgery, is to do with the health problems related to weight and the implications of weight on different parts of the body and how we can help to make it better. Okay, so let's just talk about that in a sort of like macro level. Just when you carry extra weight on your body to the point that you're obese, what is that doing metabolically to your body? I know that could take all day to explain, but could you try to break it down for people? Sure. So the uh, human evolution, the fat is where the body stores its energy. So whenever there is excess of food and energy, the body stores it. And when there's lack of it, that body breaks that store down and utilizes it at the time uh, of relative uh, non-availability of food. 
And this is how we evolved uh, with our modern societies now, food scarcity is not a, a problem, at least here. Uh, so when we eat extra food surplus to our needs, it gets stored and it gets stored all over the body. The visible fat that we can see is on our face, on our tummy and the arms and legs. And But there's fat stored inside the body, which is around the liver, around the intestine, the heart, the lungs. So it essentially uh, dampens the function, the physical function of a lot of uh, organs and systems of the body. And it predisposes to diseases like diabetes, heart disease, breathing problems, joint problems. And now we know that certain form of cancers are far more common uh, in patients, in people who have extra weight. Okay, so what, so how, let's take one of those forms of cancer and can you just explain how the extra weight would, um, would make you more likely to get it? So this, this is um, relatively new information over the last few years, we have come to realize that. So we know the association, which means that more people who are obese would have those cancers more frequently. What exactly causes that, that is still very new and we don't know the exact causes. Mm -hmm. uh, we know, for example, in the uh, cancer of the esophagus or the stomach that it, uh, obesity causes more reflux and partly that is responsible for increased cancer incidence. But the majority of these cancers, we do not know the details. We know that it happens, why it happens, that is still, I think it will take many years for us to know the exact cause of that. So when you also have a lot of weight on your body fat, that releases hormones that, that are sort of changing the way your body functions too, isn't it? Just the, just the extra fat? So the fat is a very complex uh, organ uh, and we understand some of it and there are different types of fats. Uh, the fat stored, for example, inside the tummy uh, is more harmful, which is which we call the central obesity, the obesity around the trunk, compared to the fat under the skin on the legs and the thighs or the bum. So that may look more unpleasant, but it is less harmful than the fat which is inside the tummy. People who have more fat around the trunk have diabetes far more commonly. They have heart disease far more commonly. And uh, the, the liver function uh, or fatty liver disease, which predisposes to cirrhosis later on, if uncontrolled. So uh, the fat has direct effects, which are the mechanical effects, for example, affecting the joints, affecting the back, and the indirect effects or the metabolic effects, which uh, affect uh, other disease processes. Okay. Um, if you get liposuction, can you make some of those things better? <laughs> well, <laughs> liposuction is uh, is the cosmetic part of it. It's like uh, if there's a crack in the wall, you put a little bit of a plaster and a, a lick of paint on that. It may make it look uh, okay, but it does not make the wall stronger. So, 
So the liposuction primarily is the appearance of the part of the body where you remove the fat. It does not do anything to the process itself, which is inside the body. That needs to be addressed to make a real difference. Okay. And when you have, like, are there any commonalities you're noticing in the people who come? Because I imagine when they come to you, they're quite, it's quite profound what their obesity that they're dealing with. Are there any commonalities between them? Uh, yes, I think uh, um, I see differences in my practice in UK when I was there and in my practice in UAE. Uh, the obesity I see here is far more commoner in younger age groups. And uh, I see proportionally uh, about the same percentage of men and women coming to our clinics affected by obesity, whereas in my UK practice, it was two-third women and one-third men. Okay. So, so, so there is, uh, and I think that, that I, I don't, I'm not aware of any scientific data on that, but this is just my observation, uh, having treated um, nearly 2,000 patients with surgery here in, in, in Cleveland Clinic and, and similar numbers in UK. Uh, the, the common factors are the, the societal changes. I think we have moved from a very physical life with relative non-availability or less availability of food and the food being more uh, uh, natural food to a lot of food availability, a lot of processed food availability and the lack of physical lifestyle. So it's a combination of more availability and more consumption of more high calorie, non-natural food and less and less of physical activity. Unfortunately, this is the price that we pay for a modern life mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and moving away from our, uh, even, even one generation ago here in UAE, uh, the physical activity of the day has very dramatically changed and the availability of food has many fold increased. So I think this, uh, this is reflecting in some very young people coming in, children aged 12, 15. Wow. They now come with diabetes, with blood pressure and with sleep apnea. This is something which was unheard of a generation ago uh, not only in this country, but in the West as well. Okay. And um, how, what, are your, how, what are your favorite ways to help people lose weight? Like, what do you do? I mean, you have surgical interventions, but first we'll just talk about like lifestyle. So uh, I, I'm, I'm a, a director of bariatric surgery at Cleveland Clinic, and um, uh, we started this program when the hospital opened. So my role uh, is mainly as a surgeon uh, in my primary job, but as part of the team, not in, uh, in isolation. So when the patient comes in, uh, they are assessed by a multidisciplinary team. Uh, that includes our dietitians, that includes our um, colleagues who deal with the psychological side of things, our internal medicine colleagues or endocrinologists. If the patients have any suspicion of problem with breathing, then the pulmonologist. 
if they ha have a possibility of heart disease than the cardiologist. So this whole multidisciplinary team assesses the patient and then advises and makes necessary interventions. Uh, our primary care colleagues, they, uh, we, we run a lifestyle and uh, well-being clinic as well, where we don't talk about surgery, we just talk about the interventions to improve your life overall, and weight is part of that. So we have a specific uh, weight loss clinic as well, where we do a non-surgical weight loss program that includes the lifestyle, medication. And then if the patients either are too uh, complex or they're unlikely to benefit only from those interventions, then they're referred to the bariatric surgery. So that is one category. The second category is patients who may be um, too uh, high BMI. So BMI is, is a quantification of how heavy one is for their height. And, and the normal BMI is between 20 to 25. When the BMI is above 35 with a health problem like diabetes, blood pressure, cholesterol, then surgery should be considered. And if the BMI is 40 and above, then certainly without surgery, it is very unlikely that the patients would be able to lose and keep that weight loss. So patients, let's say, who come in with BMI 45, we of course assess them and give them the lifestyle advice, but we know from several studies that the likelihood of losing weight without surgery is very little. So we get them onto our bariatric surgery program. So irrespective of what the BMI is, every patient will go through a full team assessment and will have to make some changes before getting to surgery. So that is the sort of overall weight loss, surgical and non-surgical program at Cleveland Clinic Abu Dhabi. And what surgeries uh, do you do? Like what's your top and then are, what kinds of surgeries? So uh, we offer a range of surgeries and we categorize them into sort of primary and revisional surgeries. So Patients who never had a weight loss procedure before, they're offered certain procedures. Uh, they start from something very simple as a balloon, intragastric balloon, to a sleeve gastrectomy, where we remove about 70 to 80% of the stomach to gastric bypass. And there is another more powerful procedure called um, uh, uh, duodenal switch. So these operations are all done by a laparoscopic approach, which means a small cuts uh, with quicker recovery. We also offer now robotic surgery for weight loss. Um, and we have some newer procedures which are endoscopic. So like a sleeve gastrectomy, but we uh, stitch the stomach from inside without making the cuts for surgery. So this is a full range. Um, and we also almost one third of our operations are done for patients who had some surgery somewhere else and had a problem or a non-satisfactory result. And then we do the corrective surgery. So we, Cleveland Clinic, we specialize in helping other centers and 
trying to help the patients who had the complications from this country or elsewhere. So we are open to anyone who needs help with a bariatric surgery outcome. So you do that a lot. You are fixing sort of other surgeries. Yes, I, I think that is, we see our role at, as, at Cleveland Clinic as one of the tertiary quaternary center where the complex and the complicated patients come and we try to help most of them. Okay. Um, wow, that's really interesting. So is there any, inter- I have read and heard for years that sometimes when people have these uh, lifestyles that lead to this major weight loss, and I know you've got an integrated team, but what about psychologically when they're having, um, you know, they've had their ability to eat compromised, how do you have to treat their emotional side? Because I probably, I mean, a lot of people have been using food for more than nutrition as you've, as you've been saying. So how do you sort of, how do you deal with that? Because they'll wake up and they can't eat barely anything. Yes. I, I think that's a very important question. And I think that's where, that's where setting up a program or doing the bariatric surgery within a program is very important because we take away a very important friend from our patients, which is food. And and we all have different stresses in our life. And a lot of patients who have weight problem, they use food as a de-stressor or go-to. And when we take that away, we need to make sure that they have other coping strategies available to them. And that's where our uh, psychiatry and psychology team comes in. And that's why every patient is assessed prior to surgery for any additional needs and their coping mechanisms. And sometimes we uh, postpone the operation because of those factors. And we ensure that they have those mechanisms available in the form of not only a personal um, uh, attitudes and behaviors, but also as family and friends and the network available to them, including patient support group, which we also run a patient support group. So uh, you can have a patient who is thin, but maybe more unhappy than before. So, So we need to look into that and we do look after that side very carefully. And every patient, every operation that we do here, that patient is discussed in our multidisciplinary team prior to surgery to ensure that all aspects have been looked at. Okay, so what, uh, you know, what typically ends up happening? Do most people lose weight and sort of fix their health problems? So vast majority, and we have published several of our uh, outcomes from, from Cleveland Clinic, uh, vast majority of the patients have some health problems. Uh, like I would say uh, nearly uh, one third to half of the patients would have either diabetes or prediabetes, uh, blood pressure, uh, high cholesterol, uh, quarter would have sleep apnea. And typically with operations like gastric bypass, uh, more than 70% of the patients would have either complete resolution of these problems, which means that they don't need any medication, or they take very little medication with far better control. So weight loss is one aspect of the surgery, but the gain in health benefits is even stronger and more 
powerful outcome from this surgery. So the benefit is far greater um, in terms of gaining actual health benefits in, in addition to appearing better and looking good. Do you have any stories to share of people who've done really well? Uh, absolutely. We, we, have, uh, we have a range of patients and some of our patients actually, they come to our patient support group and share their stories. So, so we have um, we have patients who were on. Um, I have a patient who was on two types of insulin and taking very high doses of insulin, had high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and sleep apnea. And he had a gastric bypass. And in six months down the line. He was off all insulins. He was just taking a tablet for his diabetes. His blood pressure medication finished. He stopped using his CPAP mask for his sleep apnea. And he was walking regularly. Um, I have patients um, in UK who went on to her bike after 30 years uh, after, uh, after bariatric surgery. Uh, we have uh, several young people who have gone back to their education, um, uh, who, who have gained the confidence to now go and mingle with their um, counterparts in normal physical activities. And we have fathers who have gone and played with their children, uh, which they could never do before. So, so there are actually a lot of, I, I also do cancer surgery, but my bariatric practice brings the most happiest patients giving the most positive feedback and sort of affirming the belief that what you're doing is actually making a difference to someone's life in real terms. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and can anyone come, you said anyone can come to Cleveland Clinic, although uh, I guess you need your health insurance to cover it, but you also do elective uh, bariatric surgery. So the, uh, there are a number of channels to come into uh, Cleveland Clinic, you can simply um, book directly to see a surgeon uh, and you can do it through insurance or self-pay, uh, whichever means you, you choose or you're entitled to. Uh, we are open to providing service irrespective of, uh, of what the uh, financial resource of that appointment is. And we... Uh, you can see an endocrinologist, which is a doctor for diabetes, or you can see an internal medicine doctor who can refer you. We get referral from gynecologists, women uh, after childbirth, gaining weight. Uh, we get referrals from spinal surgeons, people with severe back problems, secondary to weight. Uh, we get referrals from orthopedic surgeons, people with joint problems who have. So we get referrals from multiple sources and whichever way they come, the, we welcome them. And then the pathway is common that everyone goes through a multidisciplinary team assessment. And end of the day, whatever clinically is suitable for the patient, that is our advice. Okay. And, and I think uh, I, we initially, when we set up this program, because some of the centers can often surgery within a week, and typically we take at least a few months before we do surgery. And I was told that our practice would not build up, but people saw the quality and now 
we are doing more than 500 procedures a year because it's word of mouth and people who see the service, they see something good in it. Well, that's a good time to ask you, what if you're going for bariatric surgery and you're not going to Cleveland Clinic or you're searching around, what things do you need to be very, um, what, what do you need to look out for? I think um, you first need to look out how um, experienced your surgeon is and are they offering more than one type of surgery, uh, not just one operation? Secondly, how experienced the rest of the team is. Uh, that means the uh, anesthesia doctors, that means the dietitians. And if God forbid something goes wrong, does that center have the ability to treat the complications? Uh, so, so you need to look at not only the surgeon, but the rest of the people around that, the, for how long they've been doing it, and the, their practice as to how wide their practice is. And um, some centers would not have everything, but they would have a collaboration with a bigger center where they can transfer their patients in case of emergency. So as a patient, you need to look after safety first and then the efficacy and the track record of how many procedures have been done and what the outcomes have been. You can ask that information when you're, when you're I, there. I, I encourage my patients and I feel as a patient, it is your right to ask your treating doctor as to how many procedures you've done and what is your preferred procedure? What is the reason for that? And what are the outcomes of your previous patients? If I'm a patient for something else, I will go and ask my surgeon. And I, if I'm asked these questions, I, I take them as very legitimate questions and I do not mind it at all. Okay. And what kind of complications can arise maybe in the short or long-term when you have gastric band, gastric sleeve, this, this uh, you know, what you've described? Sure. So some op complications are common to all operations like gallbladder operation, hernia operations. So same happen in, in bariatric surgery. Others are specific. Every patient who has any bariatric operation should be on long-term multivitamin supplements. And, and if you don't take that, then your body can become weak and you can develop complications. Secondly, there must be a long-term follow-up program within the system that is offering surgery because unlike other surgical operations, the relationship has to be long-term. Some complications may arise several years after surgery. And unless someone is keeping an eye on those, patients can end up having um, ending up, ending up in, in difficulty. So, uh, the complications are nutritional, they could be technical, the way the operation was done, or some of, uh, complications can arise many years later because of the scar tissue adhesion. By and large, the serious complication, like the most serious is death, of course. The mortality from bariatric operations in an established center is less than a gallbladder operation in a regular hospital. So the safety profile has increased very significantly. So by and large, it's a very safe surgery as long as it's done in the right center by the appropriately trained people. 
Okay, well, thank you so much, Dr. Reza. You've had a long day, so I'll let you go. But thank you for telling us. Okay, thank you very much, Henry. It was a pleasure talking to you. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.